You're listening to episode 33 of the We Got the Runs podcast. In this episode, we'll learn about Impact Marathons, a race company that organizes races in some of the most exotic places in the world where you will stay at their athletes' village as you volunteer, explore your surroundings, and run to make an impact. Welcome to the We Got the Runs podcast. I'm your host, Letty Lundquist, and I invite you to join me as we talk about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make every run a good run. Hey, runners. Are you going to say anything? Hey, runners. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Letty, and I have with me today my husband, Ryan, who was generous enough to give me a little bit of his time to join me on here because I feel like podcasts are so much more fun, not funner, when you have two people. So welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me. So I want to do a little introduction about you just so our listeners can get to know you. So can you tell us about yourself? What are your deepest desires? As Lucifer would ask for all of you that are watching Lucifer. I think you've been watching a little too much. <laughs> um, desires or what I do? Because those are very different. <laughs> well, how about a little bit of both? Let's start with who you are. Uh, I am Letty's husband. I'm a stay-at-home dad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish, too. <laughs> it goes back to the desires. <laughs> uh, no, I do radiology. I'm a radiologist. And he's from Florida. I am. Yeah, and uh, Ryan does a lot of um, active stuff. So, what are your favorite active things that you're into right now? Oh, right now I think it's probably floral boarding because it's new to me. But anything that's like active or water sports or fun... So, can you explain to our people what foil boarding is? Foil boarding is riding on a foil above the water on a board. It's somewhat, it's been around for a long time, I guess, but it's become more popular recently, so. So, it's like surfing. Sort of, yeah. But you can also do it with a wing, which is almost like a windsurfing um, sail. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like um, a mixture of a lot of sports. I mean, you can do lots of different things on the foil, so it's kind of fun. Yeah, they, it's awesome. They even have podcasts for foil warning and stuff too. <laughs> Not that we want any of our listeners to go listen to those, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, but so Ryan has picked that basically as his primary hobby because we have very little time or we had very little time to ourselves for hobbies because of um, having young kids. But my parents just moved down and it's been a game changer for the both of us because we almost every day have hours to ourselves where we can just do whatever we want to, which um, another reason he's doing this podcast with me right now. <laughs> Very true. And then um, you've also started not a running streak, but a running, <laughs> a running thing. I don't want to say running streak because of uh, Robert Kraft, who we had on the podcast last weekend, who just did 46 years of running eight miles. So we can't compete with that. But tell us about your running. My running, I guess that's the point of the podcast, huh? So I run here and there. I actually used to run more in high school and stuff. Um, did some track, ran like the 400 and 100 and 200. And also was try, the coaches would convince, try to convince me to do more long distance or cross country, but I never really liked 
running the longer distances as much. Um, but otherwise, just here and there running. I ran some half marathons with a lady over here. Um, and those are kind of fun, but I feel like I haven't done a full, actually. I think, um, I feel like I would get bored before the end of it, but <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done it, so I'm going to save judgment for when I actually do one. He keeps saying he gets bored. He's just not listening to the right podcast. Anyway, so um, right now, Ryan started running three miles a day, or he tries to do three miles a day consistently just um, to kind of get up during the day and uh, stay fit. Yeah. Traditionally, I would do like weekends would do like eight milers or something like that but um consistently i haven't really done much yeah but hopefully that'll change so that's ryan for you guys in a nutshell so what else do you want to talk about Letty? well today for this episode i have an interview with a man named nick kersha He's the founder of Impact Marathons, which is something absolutely amazing. It's this guy who started organizing a race series that takes part in different countries, such as um, Kenya, Malawi, Guatemala, Nepal, and Jordan at this point. And it's a great organization. Um, those races are part of a week-long trip into these countries where people volunteer for a week for the local communities and help build whatever they need. And then um, the runners, I mean, the volunteers are runners. And at the finish of that week, they do a distance run. It can be a 10K, half marathon, or marathon in just a really epic area. And a bunch of locals join them. So super exciting, right? It does sound like a lot of fun. I love, um, I always told you before, like, you know, not anything that you can do that gets out of a car and, you know, more exposed to the elements like biking or running gets you a different experience of an area. And I always think that's fun. Right. It's better than traveling to some kind of four seasons and not even getting to know the countryside or the local people. Exactly. And you get to volunteer and fundraise. So that's a perk. So you can use this for your trips and then I can... Go on surf trips or foil boarding trips myself at different times. <laughs> yeah, we've been taking solo trips ever since having kids. Not a lot, but maybe once a year we each do our own thing so that way we can watch the kids. The kids are getting close. You know, eventually they're going to start doing this stuff with us, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would be awesome. So anyway, so um, the introduction has already happened. So don't want to bore you guys anymore. And I'm going to now start playing the interview with Nick Kershaw from impact marathon all right so i'm here with nick kersha nick thank you so much for joining us thank you it's great to, it's great to link up like this yeah so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a runner so my running story um yeah, growing up, I didn't run, but I was always playing sports, rugby, football, cricket, all, the, all of the normal British sports. I was always involved in every team. And um, yeah, so I ran a lot, but not on a run. And it wasn't until I, after I graduated, I was working in the city um, in a finance job and uh, it was 2011 and I was super stressed. And my boss just said, Nick, you need to go on a run. Um, and so I went on a run and I think I went three, I'm, I'm certain I went 3.14 kilometers and absolutely hated it. I thought it was rubbish. And then two days later, I went again and went, uh, you know, similar distance. And then from then on, it was uh, just became so important to me, not just because of the headspace. And I think everyone who runs knows about the headspace it gives you. But 
I, it gave me a chance to explore London, you know, and, and there were so many different nooks and crannies that I was able to see as I went along. And uh, yeah, I just loved that part. And then the community came in and it just gets addictive after that point, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. And the <laughs> explorer in you, as you mentioned, um, made you also start a running company called Impact. Can you give us a little quick summary of what Impact Marathons is and what you do? So this all kind of came about because, um, interestingly, not really running wasn't the sort of the reason I set up Impact Marathons. Weirdly, um, I was wanting to raise funds. I was training for an Ironman at the time back in 2014. And I was wanting to raise uh, funds for a program I was working on in, in Uganda, and I kind of got frustrated that people would donate but never see the impact that they were having, never understand the difference that it was making. And so when I was doing a speech one night. Um, I'd maybe had an extra glass of wine, I don't know. And I was doing this speech and I just <laughs> joked that I don't want you to donate and, and put your credit card away. That should be the start of the journey, not the end. So often when we donate, it's just, you put it away and it's, it's over. You don't really think about that money again. And I thought that that misses an opportunity for the charities and organizations and to tell their story. And it also misses our opportunity to understand the difference that we all as individuals can make. So I was just, I said that and I said, so when you, you know, you've got to come out, you've got to come and see the projects in Uganda. And when you do, we're going to run a marathon. And it was just a joke. It really was not meant to become my career. Um, and so uh, we launched the Uganda marathon about six weeks after that. And then that was so special that we decided to carry on. Uh, and I sort of started to set up Impact Marathon and our first country was Nepal. And, and so the whole concept is that runners will come out for six days um, and we will spend time working in the community, visiting the projects, understanding and seeing where the fundraising is going, understanding working with social entrepreneurs, charities, all sorts of different organizations that we support along the way. And then on the final day, everybody joins together and runs a trail race uh 10 kilometer 21 and 42 kilometer available so it's not just for the hardcore marathoners and we try and put it somewhere iconic that you'd never normally get a chance to run um and so that's it in a nutshell we're now in nepal guatemala jordan malawi and kenya wow you've grown quite a bit from from that one uh glass of wine that you had too much. So you had that idea. And then how did you pick Uganda for the first country? And how did it come together? Well, Uganda was just by chance because through university, I'd organized trips to Tanzania to Kilimanjaro. And um, it was just at that time when we were looking, I'd been two or three years back into, you know, after graduating was working a finance job, wasn't like had no problem with that. I was enjoying it, learning loads. There was no kind of, I didn't leave this because, uh, you know, of any other reason apart from this felt like a really fun thing to do with my life. And so when we were looking at what we could do, we wanted to keep our jobs, but carry on working in the region because we'd had so much fun and, and we'd seen so much difference made in the region when we've been we're working there. So Uganda was just a really natural um, first step. And then after that race, and that race has, has sort of gone on now to, to do really, really well. I, I stopped working on it directly and, and went into setting up. I thought after that one, it was like, this was so good. What else could we do in different communities around the world? How else could we use this model to touch different communities? And so that transition period was really interesting. And so Uganda was just by chance because I'd been working in East Africa and I had really enjoyed my time there and we'd managed to find some great projects. Nepal, which was the first of the impact marathons, um, that was a slightly different one because it was, it was April, 2015 when they had the earthquake. Uh, 
that uh, killed over 10,000 people and destroyed hundreds of thousands of buildings across the country. And um, when we think about an impact marathon, it's always important to think about what's the social story, what's the purpose, what's the reason why this country, you can put on a great race pretty much anywhere. Um, the, the beauty of these races is that we're, we're thinking about the social purpose behind it. And I wanted to tell this story about what happens 18 months after a national natural disaster, the money dries up, um, the media attention has long since passed, but the country still has to keep rebuilding. The communities in Nepal, you know, are, are still five years on. There's still communities which haven't rebuilt their houses. And so I wanted to tell that story. Um, but as with every single country, the story that I want to tell is very different to the story the community wants to tell. And I've learned over this time to, to really take a back seat. And, and actually the, the challenges that the organizations we found in Nepal are facing are exacerbated by the earthquake. They're not because of the earthquake. Um, and so the stories were very much so, well, this was the case before, and this is the, still the case after that hasn't, the earthquake's just this difficult time that we have to go through, but we're used to going through these things. This is Nepal. We, we have Himalayas, therefore we have, we have earthquakes. So actually things like trafficking, things like, um, infrastructure and water infrastructure being important things like gender equality and the taboos around teenage menstruation and these kind of things those are the conversations that the nepali organizations and communities wanted to have and it's not about the earthquake um and so we sort of that was basically how nepal came about i went because of that but i've stayed because of all, all, all sorts of other reasons really very nice. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So your model basically includes runners, but you're also bringing it to a demographic of people that love charity and fundraising. Can you talk a little bit about who these races are for and then how much of uh, this event is about raising funds and how that really works? So, I mean, I guess as with any founder, I would, I think we all believe that our product is for everybody. Um, but um, the truth is, is that we tend to We've got, what I love is that there's a real range of runners. Um, we've had people who run for, for England come on the trips and, and have a great fun time out there on the course. And we've had people run their first marathons. We've had people pretty much walk a 10K and we've had 12-year-olds come and we've had 76-year-olds come. So we've had a pretty wide range. Um, but you're right. There's this element where there's this cross-section, this Venn diagram where runners and socially motivated citizens kind of collide and adventure is in there as well and so where, the, where those three collide where, where it's people who've taken on lots of different races and want to do something more with their running want to see something different um people as we were chatting just before people who who want to travel to a place like nepal but don't really know where to start and don't really want to do it on their own so we get quite a lot of solo travelers coming to the countries in a way that they would get to experience the country in a different way we get people who are tired of package holidays and want to want to have a real adventure so what i've always loved about impact is just the complete diversity of motivations on display and 
you know, I think I always think of this one lady who came and I could all week. I was like, I'm not hundred percent sure what her motivation is. Like a lot of people open up about it. A lot of people don't, but you can see they're a runner. So, you know, it makes sense. She, you know, she'd never really done a running event before. Uh, so it's going to be her first proper race. Um, and I couldn't work it out. And then afterwards I found out that it would be, it was, you know, her, her two sons are really into adventure and she wanted to do something where she could kind of connect with them and it's just like what a beautiful reason to do that and she wanted to to kind of and 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 i've loved that story ever since i heard it 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 really choked me up when i heard it the first time i didn't know how to react to that um and then in terms of how it works yeah so we've always wanted to separate out the fundraising and the trip you know packaging that up together means that there's no transparency between where the money goes and the power and difference it makes um and yeah so people will will cover the costs of the trip um we we have a number of different packages from where they bring your own tent to all the way up to guatemala where we've got these amazing tree houses that people can stay in and we we build or or move into an athlete's village this is pop-up athlete's village everybody lives together everyone eats together we just have slightly different accommodation depending on on price points and and what people can afford um and then separately they fundraise and again rather than we everything about impact has got to be about the empowerment process and rather than say right you have to raise this amount of to come on this trip and if you don't then we'll charge a credit card or we won't let you on the trip we say you know we've got a team target we want to raise thirty thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars whatever it is that we think is is needed in that community we're raising this it is for this what can you do and on average most people raise um about over a thousand pounds so you know close to 1500 dollars, i guess and um so that tends to be it but we've had people come and raise twelve thousand pounds and all sorts and and other people go cool i'm gonna go and collect um you know certain organizations need uh different types of equipment that's pretty hard to source locally or there's a lot of custom fees on it and that sort of thing so we can we can source kit and in-kind donations as well when that's appropriate so there's loads of different ways to to do the fundraising side, but it's massively important because the more that you've engaged with it, not the more you've raised, because the more you've raised is irrelevant because that's often to do with socioeconomic circumstances of our runners. But the more that you've engaged with the fundraiser, the more you'll get from the project visits and the, any work that we do and, and all that side of things. Interesting. That's awesome. So then you basically have everybody show up at the athletes villages or, you know, you organize flights, however that works. And then what happens? What does the itinerary look like for the week? It's changed a lot recently um, as we've learned to listen more to the communities. So every race is totally different. And um, in Nepal, for instance, year one in Nepal, the community we're living in didn't have year round water. So through the winter, the pipes would freeze and through the summer, there, there was often a drought to the pipe, you know, so they didn't have water through any of the summer or the, or the winter. So they basically as a community said, right, we want to build a pipeline. And so we had 200 people building five kilometers of water pipeline through across this Nepali ridge to get it up to, that was crazy. That was the first race I, I put on with the impact marathon series and to have 200, 250 people all up and down piping, you know, building this pipeline. It was an intent. I did not sleep well that week at all. That was, that was really intense, but it was so amazing. <laughs> Whereas, and, and then there's different countries. So Guatemala, for instance, we talk a lot about more about young leadership and about youth leaders and about activism and 
changing the future of the country um, and the long-term systemic change. So within there, there's not so much active hands-on dirty work. And actually this year, um, the young leaders there were in charge of it. So we don't always know. As Impact Marathon, we just set the platform and the local communities, the local charities, the youth leaders, they decide what happens on any one day. So I'm sometimes as much in the lap of, uh, in, in the hands of the community as all of the runners are. Um, and so this year they wanted to organize the first ever women's day March in Tecpan, which is a city um, just, uh, just up towards the, the Midlands of, of Guatemala. And there'd never been one before. And they, they wanted to do something like this. And they had sort of 12, 14 of the youth leaders planned to do it. And then when impact got involved and they went to the municipality, he then said, this is brilliant. And then we had about 400, women marching through the streets of Techbound for the first time. And they literally said, look, your, your power, your skill set right now for us is getting on Instagram. Tell the story because people across Guatemala and the world will see that it's, it's okay to go out and march for women's rights. It's okay to talk about violence towards women. And we're doing it here in, in Techbound and that can have ripple effects. And also, uh, you know, a group of 50 people from around the world all marching with, with the, the, the women from across Techpan region, that creates a lot more noise in Techpan itself. And so lots of people stopped to watch the march and now they're listening to what's being said. And so actually they were, they were creatively using the skill sets we have because let's face it, there wasn't a lot of us who knew how to build a pipeline in Nepal. And as much fun as it was, I wouldn't necessarily jump on a project like that again because it's not always the most effective way to have an impact. It just worked to create the stir and to create the noise that the Nepali and the community wanted and to make it happen. Um, but now we're far more relaxed about what happens. Like you've got the platform, tell your story. This is, this is your week to do with it what you will. Um, and that's, you know, a little scary from us as an organized perspective, but from a impact perspective, from a responsibility perspective is absolutely the right thing to do. Um, so the short answer is we never really fully know, but we've always had an extraordinary time. So we continue to kind of build on that really. That's awesome though. I mean, it's, it's nice that you have the input of the community because who else knows what's best for them, but them themselves. Completely. Completely. Yeah. And, and, and you think about that even within our own communities at home, you know, and, and you think about how important it is for us as the communities. I live right now on the coast of, of coast of Wales, right? It's really important. The community is engaged with the future of this community. And if someone from the outside came in and said, well, we should probably do this way. Well, that's, that's not the most effective way to see change happen. Um, we see change happening by instigating it and having the power and being empowered to do it, do it ourselves. And, and I think that's the same. And too often we, from an international perspective, fall into the traps of going, but what if we did it this way? And it's not, it's got to be about the ownership and, and saying, look, we've got this platform, we've got this race, we've got these, you know, 50 people who want to come in and be involved and support in any which way. What do you want to do with them? Over to you. They're yours to, they're yours to use. And, and I think that's a really fun sort of dynamic to, to test out. Yeah, that's so true. So let's talk about uh, a little bit about safety, because I know that probably a few people will be interested in joining, but then there's always that hesitation. I, for instance, when I heard about you guys, I was super excited about it because it takes you to all these locations and it gives you this experience of almost living somewhere, even though just for a few days, but something 
that you learn from traveling is that you value the local experience most. And it's not always safe to do it by yourself if you have nobody to travel with. So obviously there's safety in groups, but what do you guys do to prevent um, or how do you guys keep up to date with that, knowing what's going on in those areas that are pretty unknown for most of us? Yeah, so it's, it's an ongoing task. Even through the week, we're always assessing and reassessing any places we're going based on new information. And we've had a lot of interesting situations and lots of information. You know, our first year in Kenya, we were there during the, um, they, were, they had a presidential election, which then got overturned in the Supreme Courts and then rerun. And that rerun ended up landing bang on our race day. So we were making decisions and, and, and changing that all the time. And, and in that scenario, we actually very quickly, when we saw that, what was, what was happening, we, we were working in a tier state region and the race itself was going through the tier states. And, um, because of that, we, um, we didn't want to use public roads. We didn't want to use it. So we found a private tier state owned by a Kenyan family who were just so like pumped to have us kind of come and join in. And so we moved the race from all of the plans we had, we moved it pretty much overnight, put it in this private tea plantation and three years on, it's still the place we call home for, for that race because it's so spectacular and beautiful. So we've had some good stories come from it, but we're always, I mean, we're a British organization. So the British embassies are all, you know, all over the world. So we're, we're blessed to have their support and to have open lines of communications with them from a sort of high level perspective. But the most important perspective is the relationship with the communities and understanding. And they'll, the, we've built these relationships over a number of years and they'll tell us, they'll tell us like, we shouldn't do that. Or that's probably a bad, bad idea. Or let's do it this way. And if there's a, a really easy precaution to take, for instance, Guatemala, they have a, a free service where there's tourist police. So it's just like, okay, cool. We can, we always have, wherever we're going, we'll have a couple of tourist police with us. And that just helps us stay thinking about it and being proactive about it at all times. Um, so to, to you know, touch wood, we've never had any, any major issues um, happening at any of the races. There's always sort of quirky, funny stories and you never know quite what to expect from the week. And we try very much so, as you said, to push it just to, to as far as we feel comfortable in terms of uh, making it safe, but also a real experience. And, you know, after five years, we've got a fairly good sense of of how far to, to test things out and, and when to go. No, that's just no point. Um, and then come race day, it's a totally different environment because race days are so extreme, whether it's in a desert or on a volcano or in the Himalayas. We work with an organization called the XR Medics, who are a British organization of doctors who volunteer. They come out. They're the best adventure medics in the world. We've never done a race without them. And they're just brilliant. They just take care of everything. You know, most of the time they have very little more than a blister to deal with and, but they deal with it brilliantly. They're there all week ahead of the game. So if you're feeling like tired or you've got some sort of jet lag or something you've eaten has made your, it made your tummy go a bit odd, they're there to talk to you all the way through the race week, not just on race day. So there is this sort of like throughout the year, throughout the week, there's this uh, care that we give in terms of health. Um, and when it comes to safety, yeah, we've got a lot of risk assessments and, and the whole team dedicated to, to making sure we're, we're not taking any, any risks that, that don't need to be taken. That's cool. So are you going on all the trips too? Or is it just um, who's there from the organizers besides the medical? So, yeah. So I'm always there. Um, 
I, I think there will come a time soon when I don't go to a race because there's, there's getting to be more and more of them. And I kind of dream of that day, but I'm also scared of that day because I love going to the races so much and, and, that so then i've got um two others that we work with at the moment who uh, handle a lot of the operations um we then have a team locally and there's usually three to five local organize, uh, local organizers and fixers and tour operators or whoever it is we're using whether it's for the buses and logistics or the the building of the athletes village um and then there's usually a volunteer team um from people who've been on previous impact marathons who want to come back and work on the team so there's normally sort of four uh, extra people from the team there. So come race day, depending on the size of the group, we would have anywhere between five and 10 of the impact team um, who've all done at least two or three other races and myself who've done, yeah, managed to, to get to all of them so far. Nice. And so obviously there's going to be mostly runners and maybe a few walkers there too. So how do you guys prepare for the marathon? Obviously everybody does their training at home and you choose your own distance, but do you guys have like daily runs that people go on and, um, you know, carb loading, all that stuff, that fun stuff that counts with the <laughs> marathon prep? It's a really strange experience, right? Because through the week, people f often forget that there's a race at the end right. because you're so engaged, you're so in this moment. And, and we as a team try and put it aside as well. Um, we normally, one of the team members is, is, is on race duty. So you very rarely see them. They're off just focusing on the race. But the rest of the team, we're focused on the whole experience throughout the week. So there's two, two sides to it. One is um, the mental preparation. And that's different to a normal race, right? Because we didn't set up impact marathons to be a race that you were going to get a personal best on. You're, you, it's pretty much impossible unless it's your first time at that distance, <laughs> you're not going to get a personal best. Um, so the whole concept is running together with others for others. And we call it the victory lap. You just go out there and treasure every step. And that's one of the reasons we make the courses hard. It's also one of the reasons we try and make the courses tell a story of a nation. And so Guatemala is another you know, again, a great example where we actually run on the live volcano and you run through the lava field and you run up and you can hear the spluttering of the lava and you can feel the rumbles of the volcano as you run. And it's just unreal. Um, and so we're always looking for those types of things. Nepal, on the other hand, you've got the Himalayas right there. Um, but you're running through the villages and you're going to stop and you're going to take photos and you're going to help your other runners because you've had a whole week living together. And sometimes you're going to drop back and help someone up a hill. And the whole spirit of getting everyone to run together even goes down to how we design the courses to be loops so that the 42 cares when they start their second loop, the 21 cares will be starting there and it doesn't matter where you start. It's about us all finishing together. And that's very much the metaphor of the week as well. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is it's still really hard and you need to prepare for it. <laughs> so um, we, we have acclimatization runs through the week. We have yoga in the evenings for sunset yoga every night um, to, you know, if we, especially if we're doing sort of difficult work, um, you know, Nepal building the pipeline, for instance, you know, if you've been pickaxing for three or four hours at two and a half thousand meters of elevation, you're getting quite, quite well acclimatized actually and then you're sleeping at that uh that altitude as well it kind of helps um the training runs i always kind of get amused by the training runs because the first day everyone everyone even the good runners are, are always just uh, how am i going to do 42 how i don't that everyone <laughs> feels a bit demoralized the breakfast after the first training run on arrival in country is always just a bit like whoa <laughs> and then by by the thursday by the friday everyone's a now far more engaged in the projects and this is just a really fun way to finish the week but b they've got that acclimatization level up they've matched with people they know okay that person's about the same 
we're going to run the first lap at least together and and that so there's that and then yeah throughout the year we we know the courses back to front ourselves um and so we, we're always there to give advice we've got some basic training plans that people can follow but most of the time um just understanding that you just go out there and enjoy every step if you do that you 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 you'll you'll finish yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, especially if you're used to running distance and it doesn't matter how you finish, it's a matter of finishing yeah. together and having that community spirit. Um, that sounds really awesome. Nick. It's, I mean, it takes a bit of the stress out of us from race day as well, because we know that there's no one out there pushing hard into the red to get some sort of some arbitrary time because it's incomparable. You know, I think on Nepal course, if you add an hour and a half to your best marathon time, you're probably about in the right region. You're going to have to walk the hills, you know, right. two, <laughs> I think two thousand what's that in feet, just over 6,000 feet of climbing in the Nepal race. So you're going to have to walk some of those hills and just enjoy it. You know, you're going to be out there for a while, enjoy it, eat food. We've got usually some quite like local snacks out on the course as well. So enjoy the, the different cuisine that we try and serve on the course. It's just an amazing experience. And also at that day, you've also got all of the local runners joining in. So you've got a few hundred people out on that course. And yeah, that's, that's where it becomes actually just a really fun, crazy, surreal running experience. Right, right. So you've talked about Guatemala and running on the volcanoes and then you've talked about Nepal. Can you talk about the other races and kind of continue painting yeah. that picture that you just <laughs> put into my mind about why I actually want to join this? um well i mean the, the most recent one is jordan that's our newest race it's the first new country we've uh we've released and we're actually going to run right through the wadi rum desert um and the wadi rum desert is yeah, it's got twelve thousand years of human history there um it's where they filmed star wars to give you a picture of it um and that's just good we're actually going to start it early in the morning before the sun rises because it's going to get hot and so you, you'll be starting out under the stars. The sunrise there is just, it's just always incredible because you've got the complete blue skies. And as well, it's unlike other deserts because it's got all of these rocks and these features that you'll recognize from whether you've watched Star Wars or The Martian was also filmed on there. So it's sort of otherworldly in that respect. And so we'll be running through the desert up and down some sand dunes, make it a bit hard. And um, so that's, that's one that's taking place in May next year. And we're really excited for, for that one. We've not done it yet. We had to postpone it for this year, obviously. And so we're really excited to finally get everybody out there. And then Kenya, Kenya is a really interesting one because we actually, we've built up an extraordinary relationship with the elites uh, runners in Kiricho town. And so in Kenya, you've got E10 is where everyone's heard of, they call it the home of champions. And then a little further away, you've got Kiricho, which is where we put our race. And actually you've got this running group of about 200 who are super engaged. You've got the world record holder for uh, the steeplechase, Beatrice Chepkowicz. Uh, she trains there. You've got winners of the Dublin, Belfast, uh, Bogota, you know, marathons all over the world. These, these, this group is winning. There's about 200 of them, but they're winning per head a lot more than the guys over in Eton are winning. And there's a nice little rivalry going. So these runners have taken it to heart and we'll do a track session with them where they take us through their routine. And it's just really fun because they're pretending that they're racing you and they're just not. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then yeah, they do a bit of, they should sort of show us how they're training. They take us for early morning dawn runs through the tea plantations. And these tea plantations just go out for miles and miles. And then the plantation we actually have has a, a view out over the Rift Valley from the high point. So you climb up this hill through the tea and it's just, I, I can't, it's hard to describe what tea leaves look like when you, you, 
you look over the distance, but it just rolls in front and then suddenly that just sort of disappears beneath you and there's the Great Rift Valley just going right through. And so that's a, a stunning course and one that every time I run it, I forget. I forget. Every time I, I go away from Kenya, I go back and I'm like, oh, I love this course. It's just, it's just beautiful. <laughs> um, and then the tea workers are, are out around the, the, the plantation as well. So it's just a really crazy experience. We keep that quite a small event. We keep that and the elites come down and pace everybody. So we've had a Boston, the, the 2011 Boston Marathon winner. She came, uh, Caroline, she came and paced someone to five and a half hours. You know, it's just brilliant. Oh my God. Um, and then Malawi is a, just so unique. The whole experience of Malawi, um, we are right on the banks of the lake, which is one of the most beautiful lakes you'll ever visit. There's a two-kilometer sand section, which brutalizes everybody both times they do it. Um, but it goes through the, all the communities that we work in, and with, it's, a, it's an extraordinarily rural race. I, wouldn't, I don't think there's another international race in, in, on the continent that goes as rural as we do in Malawi in terms that these are tiny fishing villages. Average income is probably 50 cents a day. And so it's a totally different experience to any, even any of the other impact marathon experiences. So when you're running through it, it's just a bit unreal. And you've got the baobab trees and then you get to the lake section and it's just late Malawi. But there's also fishing boats tied up. So you have this gamble really, because you can go higher up the beach and then you've got the soft sand or you go down on the hard pack sand, but you've got a hurdle over the fishing boat ropes. Um, so so it's, it's a question. I always go hard pack and, and jump, but Mark, who's the race director there, he always goes soft sand and uh, keeps up the same pace. He's a pretty good runner. Wow. That's amazing. The scenery alone. And then the fact that you're actually helping the community, putting all that together. It sounds like I've told you like a dream race or a dream week of mm. vacationing and tying running into all of that. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. It's definitely, uh, yeah, I think everybody always asks me, like, what's your favorite race? And I, I don't have children, but if I did, I think it's the same. I don't have a favorite child, but there's qualities I appreciate about each of them that, um, so, you know, uh, you know, the race in, in Guatemala, that that volcano is was the best best race course I've ever ever created. I love it. Um, but then one like Nepal, for instance, this year we've moved to a new village and we're going to hike up to it because it's so remote that it's actually about the same time to walk to it as it would be for us to bus everybody up. So we've got a forty-two kilometer walk to get up to the village. And now I'm just so excited to take everybody on that. That's just going to be amazing because that's going to show a different a side of Nepal that just no one, no one's ever done, right? That, that hike is not a normal hike. Oh, it sounds amazing. I can't wait to sign up. I can't wait for the traveling to open back up. Thank you so much for coming on here. And um, let us know um, how can people can connect and check out your website. So impactmarathon.com um, is the website and uh, Instagram at impactmarathon. Those are the places I guess we're most active. Um, and from there you can, you can message us directly and uh, one of the team picks it up uh, from there. Uh, so those are the two places I'd say you get the best overview of what Impact Marathon's up to. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on, Nick. Well, thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks again, Nick, so much. That was a great interview that I had with you. And I look forward to partaking in one of your impact marathons, hopefully this year, once traveling opens up again. So I'm going to move on to our next segment, which is going to be our segment with physiotherapist Brody Sharp from Australia, who's going to talk to one of our listeners who sent in a running-related injury question. So let's make this phone call. 
Hey, Brody, how are you doing today? I'm good, Letty. How are you? I'm wonderful. I have a question here from Sally, and she says, I have lower back pain, especially in the mornings. I'm not sure if this is running related, but I think it might be. What are some things I can do? Okay. Hi, Sally. Um, low back pain is a little bit different. I don't see it too often in runners, which is where I um, specialize in. So the, the bits of advice I can say is that you can find out if your lower back pain is due to running based on just trial and error. You can, if you're going for a particular long run and the next morning, if it's more stiff than usual, then perhaps your running might have something to do with it. Um, if you're finding that no matter what you do in your weekly run, if the lower back pain is exactly the same the next morning, then it might not be your running. It might be sitting or it might be standing still, or it might be just doing too much lifting. So very hard to say. And backs are particularly a tricky one because it can be different type of diagnoses. Um, so I would base it on that. I'd sort of see week by week, day by day, what the symptoms are like. If there is some stiffness, particularly in the mornings, there might be some inflammatory component to it. But I also see a lot of people with low back pain that just need to do some stretches before they sleep and after they go for a run. Um, so just mobility stretches could be quite nice. I do. I have people lie on their backs, bend their knees and just rock their knees side to side can be really helpful before and after a run if their back gets quite stiff. So you can try that. If that doesn't work, I recommend getting it assessed because like I said, low back pain can be tricky. Perfect, Brody. And if Sally wants to be in touch with you or listen to your podcast, how, she, how can she do that? She can search the Run Smarter podcast. Uh, depending how long she's had it for, I actually have a guest, um, Kieran O'Sullivan, which talks about all of the myths around low back pain, which she might find helpful. Perfect. Thank you, Brody. You're welcome, Letty. All right. Thanks, Brody, again for your insights. And with that, I'll leave you guys until next week. Everybody, please have a great week of running. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. For training tips, previous podcast episodes, and fun merchandise for runners, please check out our website at wgtr.us. That's wgtr.us. And as always, have a wonderful week of running.